Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Thursday edition of Locked On Kings as we look back at the Wednesday night action in the NBA playoffs and continue our player evaluations. Today we focus in on a guy that Kings fans are very, very excited about, and that's Scalabi Sierra, the rookie. We will do that today courtesy of James Hamm, Katie Christensen, Jerry Reynolds, and Jason Jones. We'll all share their insight on the season that was for Scalabi Sierra. We'll do that in a moment, but first let's jump right to it for the playoffs on Wednesday night, Cleveland had a one nothing series lead hosting Toronto. The Cavs have not, lot, uh, have not lost yet in the postseason, and that would stay true on Wednesday night. Here's LeBron James, who has 24 points in his back pocket, looking for 27. He's got it. LeBron with a triple from the left wing side. He's now 4 of 5 from distance, and he now has moved into second place all time on the NBA playoff scoring list. Thompson. Right wing side back to Love, fakes the three, deals to Smith, into Irving in the corner, fires a three, he knocks it down. Strong ball movement by the Cavaliers. They've taken an 83-65 lead as we pass the midway point of the third quarter. Now Irving picks the pocket of Powell, out he comes, he's all by himself. Irving behind the back to LeBron, he hammers it. And the Cavaliers have their largest lead. Cavs 95, Raptors 73. Carroll for a triple. Missed it. Rebounded by LeBron. The Raptors are just 3 of 12 from deep. Meanwhile, the Cavaliers are 15 of 25. Looking for another. Fry from the corner. Got it. Oh, my word. 16 of 26 are the Cavaliers from distance. They've opened up a 30-point lead with 9.25 to go. Cavs 107, Raptors 77. Just domination again for Cleveland. 125-103. They take a 2-0 series lead. LeBron had 39. This guy just continues to amaze. Uh, Kyrie helped out, 22-11. Cleveland, 18 three-pointers on 33 attempts. I always talk to you guys about three-point differential. Continue to watch that stat. Toronto, they just don't shoot that many of them or make that many of them. They made five. So that's 13 more makes beyond the arc. That's 39 points. How do you make up for that? You don't. You lose big. That's what happened. 125-103 plus. Cleveland has just taken DeMar DeRozan out of the series so far for the first two games. Two of 11, five points for the best player for the Raptors. He's got to get better as the series shifts for games three and four to Toronto. But just to me, again, it's two games, but it looks like a mismatch. Best player, best two, maybe best three players are all on the floor for the Cavs. They have found a good offensive groove. Defense has been good enough, and uh, they're loaded right now and feeling good as they win 125-103. The other game was a must win, I'd say, for San Antonio. First game of that series was a surprise in the ease that the Rockets won with. But another night, and this one in San Antonio, game two, a totally different story. In the paint, Aldridge out to the top. Leonard, touch pass, right wing three, Tony Parker. Trey Bien! 18 points for Tony Parker, give an assist to Kawhi Leonard. And the Spurs lead 78-70. to Tony now 8 of 11 from the field. Tony working a few dribbles. Pocket pass to Gasol. He slams it down. 
from Tony Parker. Pau Gasol with the basket, and the Spurs have their biggest lead. It's 97-83, and 11-0 San Antonio run. Timeout, Mike D'Antoni. Back out to the wing, Green catch and shoot three. In and out, no good, rebound Ginobili, and he gets it off to Aldridge, slam dunk. Offensive rebound and the assist for Ginobili, and the Spurs can put this one in the back pocket. They lead by 20, with 5-10 remaining in the game. Let on the left wing, takes it toward the left wing and fires the three, Kawhi not. 111-88. 4.55 remaining in the ballgame. 34 points for Kawhi Leonard. After shooting 37% from the field in game one, the Spurs bounce back and shoot 55% in game two. They get a team high and game high 34 points from Kawhi Leonard on 13 of 16 shooting, and they even this best of seven Western Conference semifinal series with the Houston Rockets. The final score from game two at the AT&T Center in San Antonio. Spurs 121, Rockets 96. So the Spurs win it 121 to 96. The difference really was the fourth quarter, outscoring them 33 to 13. First time the Rockets have been held in under 100 points in the postseason. Kawhi Leonard was fantastic again, 34 points. Tony Parker was really good with 18, but scary news that he got injured in that fourth quarter under nine minutes to go. Greg Popovich said, early word is it doesn't look good. I hope for the best for Tony Parker, but a big injury. And I've told you this too look for the best team. Than the healthiest team. Any kind, anytime you get an injury in the postseason, it does derail things. So we'll see what that does for San Antonio. But that series tied at one. I still expect a long series, even though the first two games have been blowouts. First by Houston and this one by San Antonio. All right, now let's get into our player focus, our uh, continuing player evaluations. And today we look at the guy that Kings fans are really, really excited about, and that is Scal LaBissier. Here's Zach Randolph into a double team. Ball knocked away. LeBissier comes up with it, feeds Garrett Temple. Runs to the front court, gives it back to Scal. Power rip with the left hand. Full extension from Scal LeBissier. Oh, that was nice. 45-42 in favor of the Kings. Oh, a monster jam coming down the lane with a hesitation pogo-like move from Scal LeBissier. Oh, that, that woke everybody up. Lead is seven for Sacramento, and you love the reaction from the Kings bench. Pull up off the dribble, missed by Lawson, rebounded by Scal, turnaround, put back, no good. Spike put back by the rookie. Oh, my goodness, Scal LeBissier missed the first post-up attempt, and then in one explosive motion, went up and jammed it down with the, the left hand. 38-32. Here's Scal. Oh, an explosive move for a power jam on the feed from Ty Lawson. He just powered his way above the iron and threw that one down emphatically. 77-71. King said, yeah, give me some more of that. Stutter step by Lawson into the paint. Gives to Scal, fakes the pull-up, goes to the free-throw line with one dribble, and he hits a 15-footer. Bring the energy. Bring that rainbow. Back-to-back buckets by Scal LeBissier. It's 91-82. Seven minutes to go in regulation. Out to Scal at the elbow. 17-footer is good. Kings regain the lead. 71-69. There's the future of the Kings we're looking at. We're talking about Scal LeBissier. All right, as we've been doing, we're going to get you our... And I'm going to give you my analysis on Scal in a moment. I'm going to let our guests chime in first, and that's Jason Jones, Jerry Reynolds, Katie Christensen, James Hamm, all to share their insight on what they thought about Scal after his rookie season with the Sacramento Kings. And we're going to start this one with Jason Jones from the Sacramento Bee. And Jason kind of uh, talks about Scal in year one with the Kings. 
I thought even going back to summer of all the rookies, Scal was the one who had the best chance to play. And I thought Scal just had a natural feel for the game. Kind of those things where he was that classic guy whose dangers did not fit in college, where he was going to need the freedom to kind of be himself on the court. And I, I, so I liked him going back to the summer. And he did show that, but the, the kind of the glaring thing with him is going to be that strength. I mean, there was that, that last Clipper game. There were about two or three times Scal tried to foul DeAndre Jordan and just bounced off of him. It wasn't for a, you know, he's just not strong yet. <laughs> so he's going to have to get stronger and because he's going to have to probably be a four-man. And if you, if you take away that Phoenix game you know, where, of course, like they weren't playing anybody, but take away that game. He had some he had some rough nights, you know. He had that you no know, Henry shot out against Blake Griffin, you know. Mm-hmm. Then you had to go to San Antonio and see Lamarcus Aldridge and those type of guys, you know. So he's playing, you know. Even as uh, the league goes smaller, doesn't mean it gets any easier to be a four man, you know. Draymond Green, you know, <laughs> in Golden State. So he's going. Imagine is definitely get stronger, and if he can get stronger, combine that with his skill. He's got a chance to be successful, I just think because he he has such a good feel for the game. But the big thing will be he has to get stronger. All right, same thought and kind of same premise. And when I asked Katie Christensen about Scal Abissier and directly asked her about him and what she saw in Scal after one year. <laughs> one year. Uh, it's not, not even that. It's mm-hmm. a couple months, really. Uh, I was blown away by him blown away because like I said earlier when I was talking about Yorgos when we saw those two at summer league it was like I don't know about this um he is absolutely a gifted player like he I had no idea that that he would even get even close to what we saw this year in the first three years you know what I'm saying so um one of the most impressive things to me about him he has maybe the best touch I've seen on this team. I mean, and, and you can rank him in the league in the top of his touch or not only around the basket, but on his shot. And he so much reminds me of Dirk with some of his, his moves um, kind of in the mid range and his level of comfort with that. The biggest thing for Scal, and it is usually the case with young big men he absolutely is a couple years away from having an NBA ready body and he'll continue to work and he'll continue to put on muscle and weight. Um, and that will help him a lot, but it hurt him on both ends of the floor this year and more specifically on the defensive end of the floor. And so I think that that's to me where I want to see the most amount of growth between this season and next season is just continue to develop the skills you already have and his confidence is there and his attitude is phenomenal, but I want to see him continue to work on his body and to figure out there are ways when you're underweight or you don't, you don't always win the muscle battle. There are ways to be a good defender, to be a solid defender. Um, and he's just as too young and doesn't have the playing experience yet to have figured those things out. So I want to see that he makes strides with that. And I'm really not going to know until the end of next year. Um, you can't expect him to do that during the off season alone because you, it's, it's, it comes down to experience with that. So one year development is important. What do you look like after a year? Well, how about uh, Jerry Reynolds? I asked him, what do you think he'll be saying about Scal after, at this time, next season, after two years in the league? 
I hope what we're going to be saying is this guy has really got some star potential. Uh, you know, after another full year, we saw little flashes of it. You know, I'm I'm a kind of a fanboy of of Scal. I, I like, you know, I, I think he has does have legit star potential. Now, whether that's going to happen, uh, certainly not enough of it happened uh, this season, even though he had a game or two. But you always have to be a little careful of stats at the end of seasons. Uh, but he, you know, the fact he's legit six eleven, seven foot, and, and quick off his feet, quick to the basket, is aggressive, and can shoot the ball. I mean, uh, great left hand. He he has those things. His body is he's just too weak, just physically too weak. But uh, I can see in my own mind, I can envision you know in a couple of years, I think down the road where. You know he could he could be a tough cover uh, for teams, and uh, but he's got to be able to stay on the floor, you know, defensively, and uh, and and kind of know you know where his shots are going to be and how to get them. I thought that was the thing that got exposed a little as the year went. You know he he never quite seemed to be ready to shoot the ball, and and I think that uh, that's something he'll learn very quickly. And we close things out with our player evaluation from our guest with James Ham. Insider for the Sacramento Kings asked him what did he see in Scalabissier. Oh man, I saw an elite player, and I know people are are jumping on the bandwagon crazy, and they're super excited. Um, I I just saw so many things that make you go, oh my gosh, and you know his footwork in the post, his soft little you know right hand left handed hook shots that just like are just so gorgeous uh his ability to pull up from anywhere and hit a jumper we haven't even really seen him at the pro level shoot a bunch of threes but he can shoot a bunch of threes um he needs to get better uh with his handles he needs to get stronger the kings are working to rebuild his body just like they are with Papa Giannis. uh he needs to add a lot of bulk but really he needs to add lower body strength where he can he can keep people out of the post um, he got pushed around a little bit, uh, but he also showed us a fire that, you know, like we talked about Papianis having a fire to fight somebody. Um, he showed a fire to want to be great and want to score and, and do the things. I mean, the, the game against Phoenix earlier uh, where he dropped, what, 32, he was just all over the court. And that's something that, you know, I see a little uh, Richard Lewis. Uh, you know, Paige Stoyakovich told me early in the season he saw – uh, Chris Bosch, and I, honestly, I see a lot of the Chris Bosch comparisons too. Um, but he is a kid that always smiles, and he's always got a, a great attitude. And he, like Buddy Hield, he's a tremendous worker, and his story is great. You want him to be great, and not just because he's on the Sacramento Kings, but if you you've heard his whole Haiti story and, and you see the way that things didn't work out with Calipari and, and then to have him slide all the way to 28 and then to just watch him mature and grow. He has a, like the biggest smile that you're ever going to see. And he's the nicest kid. And so I think a lot of people are pulling for him to be the next, you know, Holy cow. I can't believe somebody got him that late in the draft, but that sure does look like what he's going to be. Again, some of my opinion on what I've seen from Scal, similarly to what you heard from Katie and from Jason and Jerry and James, uh, what I do like a lot about Scal is you could just see so much potential. There's just so much there. And I think 
where Scal can go is really a wide variety, not just his ceiling in the league, but is he going to be a three? Can he be a four? Can he be a five? I think he's got versatility to play a lot of positions offensively and defensively, and I don't know. He didn't take a bunch of three-pointers for the Sacramento Kings. He hit a couple before the season ended. He uh, ended up taking three or making three out of eight, so the way the league's going, I think that's going to be important. But does he, you know, Jerry talked about him getting stronger. Is that something he needs to do to become a more physical player as a four or a five? He's so tall and long and athletic. I mean, you could just see a lot of different areas he can go. I don't know if he's going to be that that overall playmaker with the basketball as far as a guy that takes people off the dribble to set other people up. But I do like that if you look at a lot of his career high performances down the main statistical categories, Obviously, they come in his rookie year, but you're seeing pretty high numbers. When he had the 31 point game uh, against the or 32 point game against the Phoenix Suns with a huge fourth quarter, that shows you what his ability is at times to be a scorer. Now, granted, it's the end of the year; Phoenix isn't playing their full roster, but he had other solid games. 25, he had 19. I mean, he was he was all over the board. He showed you that he could score in a lot of different ways. Like Jerry said, though, too, where is he going to find his shots? He's still getting comfortable there. Also, though, look at rebounding. Three double-digit rebounding games. That was one of his knocks in Kentucky. What, he had 13, he had 11, he had a 10. Then I love the one assist game that he had where he ended up with eight assists. And that was a game where he had 10 points, 10 boards, eight assists. That shows you what he's also capable of. Had a game where he had a couple steals, had a game where he had four blocks. So he really does fill the stat page and shows you what his overall potential really could be. But again, as far as what he has done, the other constant thing I think about with Scalabese here, and as excited as I am and excited as James and Katie and Jerry and Jason seem to be, I think it just has to be hit over the head again in a constant reminder that none of this happens. We see none of this unless they traded DeMarcus Cousins. So I'm going to keep validating it because I thought it was the right thing to do. We can argue whether or not they got enough on the trade, but I think they had to do this to grow the franchise. We're seeing players like Papianis, we've evaluated, uh, Scalabissier, guys that were on the team that weren't really playing with DeMarcus Cousins around, and I didn't expect him to play because their best player was the big man. But they changed course, and now you also add in Buddy as part of the trade. So three pieces that you like going forward, along with some guys that were already here, I think all happened. I mean, Willie started to play more because of the trade for DeMarcus. So there were a lot of things to like post-trade, not enough wins, but this is the kind of thing, the player that we are watching Scal so far. Now now it becomes imperative on the coaching staff to groom him the right way. For him to work hard, that seems like it's in his DNA. A guy that wants to get better is important. And if he has a great offseason and really builds off of what he did as a rookie, and then all of a sudden we're talking about a guy. And remember we gave the comparison, not necessarily to the game, but of the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you looked at his first year, single digits. Then he got into the teen, mid-teens. Then he was high teens. Then he's in the 20s, and he's one of the best players in the league. That was in four years. He's still young, and he became an all-star. I don't know that Scal's going to do that, but it is possible. I mean, it really is. He has all-star potential. I know that's uh, always a scary word, but if you started to look at the Kings roster and you think about guys that could grow and could grow into something, you know, DeMarcus Cousins didn't become an all-star overnight. We saw promising things as a rookie. Then he got better in year two, and so on and so on, and continued to develop. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. Scal's not there yet, but the potential really is there, and I think that's what's super exciting for him, for the organization, and for Kings fans all over the place. So 
fun covering Scal this year, and I look forward to what his offseason and what his next season will be. So we thank you so much for listening again to Locked on Kings. Follow us on Audioboom, on Stitcher, on Google Play, and, of course, on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, subscribe there. It's free, waiting for you, on demand, whenever you want it. And we do appreciate all of you faithful listeners that have followed, really, from the beginning. So thank you so much. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of Lock on, Locked on Kings. We've got the Friday mailbag. We'll continue in our player evaluations. We'll do all that and more tomorrow right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A lovely day Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.